Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. You've got Josh, you've got Chuck here. We're a couple of writers from HowStuffWorks.com, right, Chuck? That's right. So, Chuck. Yes? Are you familiar with any uh, Turkish authors? Uh, I've heard this one. Um, what's the punchline? There's no punchline. Oh, that's a real question. Yeah. No, I don't know any Turkish authors. I didn't either until I was reading an article today about a Turkish author who writes under the name Harun Yahya. Yeah, not I familiar. believe that's how it's pronounced. I may be butchering it. My Turkish is a little rusty. Yeah. Um, but um, Mr. Yahya recently offered 10 trillion Turkish lira, which is about $8 trillion. It's not one of those upside-down things. Like, right, wow. It's about 0.8, um, 0.8 Turkish lira to the dollar, last time I checked. Um, to anyone who can pr- uh, provide definitive fossil evidence of... Uh, evolution. Wow. Yes. That's a lot of money. What's his motive? Uh, his motive, he's an outspoken creationism, a creationist. Yeah. Crea- he's an outspoken creationismist. Wow. That's, that's a new word now. Um, and uh, he he is so vehemently opposed to it. Have you heard of Richard Dawkins? Yeah. Okay. Dawkins uh, has a website. And, uh, you know, he's a zoologist who's a huge evolutionary theorist. Uh, he actually believes that we're nothing more than a vehicle for our genes. Right. That's all we are, just big bags of flesh and our genes are really in control. Uh-huh. Um, so he's a huge, huge evolutionist. Um, and, uh, Mr. Yahya got the, um, got Dawkins website banned in, in Turkey. So really? if you go to Turkey, you can't get onto richarddawkins.com or .co.uk or whatever. Um, so he's, he's really a kind of, he thinks evolutionary theory is false and it's, right. it's not correct. So he, he's sort of, uh, in jest throwing out this huge sum of money because he claimed he doesn't think anyone can actually prove this. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't get the impression that he is a trillionaire. Right. Don't know how many trillionaires there are. And he it sounds like a smart aleck to me. Kind of a smart aleck. Sure. But he, he, he was pretty specific. He said that he, uh, wanted an intermediate form fossil. And this is like an animal that is clearly um, a, a species that is the the connecting species between right. one and another. Sure, like um, some fossil that that links us humans to frogs. Right, because on the tree of life, we all, if you go back far enough, are related. Everything, every species on Earth, came from some little strand of RNA in the primordial soup here on Earth. Right billions of years ago, right? That's what I believe. That's that's what a lot of people believe. But it the fossil record, which is this um this this record of all the fossils, all the um sedimentary layers, all this stuff over the last five hundred and fifty million years. Right. Um is is admittedly spotty. Right. The history of our planet essentially it, it is. It is it's a it's a it is. So you go and take a nice sample you know, and you go down far enough and you reach a point where no one is sampled yet, that gets added to the fossil record. Right. It paints this whole picture of, of the evolution of life on Earth, depending on what you believe. Sure. Everything may have been placed there. That's another theory. Right. Okay. So um, we're still trying to figure out if evolution occurs, like, consistently over a long period of time, which is called phyletic gradualism. Right. Or it could be in short bursts as the competing theory, which is punctuated equilibrium. So it's still, like I said, it's spotty, but it does have its uses. 
What uses, Josh? I'll give you a use there, Chuck. Uh, last year, October of 2007, uh, some British researchers came up, or well, they published a study that where they used the fossil record and compared it to global climates over a 520 million year period. Right. Because we have uh, what, uh, climate information in the fossil record as well. And what they found was that in uh, times of warm global temperatures, like we have now, I think the mean global temperature, which is land and ocean, average temperatures put together, right. it's about 54 degrees, 56 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 13 Celsius. Which is warm Celsius. historically. We're in, it's a greenhouse period, which is what we're in now. Exactly. Traditionally, uh, when the Earth has seen uh, greenhouse periods, mass extinction has taken place. Right. So the question we're forced to explore is, will we soon be extinct? Right. Which, uh, if you look at the history of our planet, there's, you know, there's a case for that. And if we're not extinct, certain uh, uh, organisms on our planet might become extinct, which could lead to the domino effect and... Eventually, we might be extinct it, after it, all. It, it is very true. Um, there's one case in point, uh, a mass extinction, the worst one, apparently, on the fossil record, happened uh, at the end of the Permian period, I believe, 251 million years ago. 95% of all the species on Earth died out, like I all know. at once. I re- When I read that, I was just blown away. I mean, can you imagine if all of a sudden it was like, you know, humans... Dogs, cats, and mosquitoes, and yeah, mosquitoes, and maybe a cockroach, right? Something like that. With my all, luck. all the rest just gone. You know, you didn't see anything when you went outside, right? Well, yeah. humans wouldn't last long if that were the case. No, because we require biodiversity. Exactly. Right? You want to tell them about biodiversity? Uh, yeah, I can speak a little bit about that. Please um, do. You know, the Earth basically, Josh, uh, is like a, just a big machine. And uh, if you were compared to like a car engine, each each little part has its own function. Mm-hmm. And if one, you know, nut on the car engine goes off, that leads to something else to break and something else to break. And, mm-hmm. and the earth is kind of like that as well. Um, there are no unnecessary parts. Everything no. is important. E- even, even if you're looking at a car engine, you don't really understand, you know, what this does or what that does. It, it's still essential. It was put there for a reason, if you'll, you know, excuse the comparison. Right. Excuse. Thanks. Uh, so I know one one example you used was uh, nitrogen mm-hmm. in your article. If you wanted to enlighten some folks, what you I know. love enlightening folks. You ready, yeah. folks? Let's do this. So um, nitrogen basically is present in the soil. It, it's an essential um, food for crops. Our crops, right? Um, we we've learned to harness uh, wild crops to to be produced under conditions we like, like right. say corn, sure. right? Um, and, you know, we can control how many grow and how well it grows and that kind of thing. But really, ultimately, none of this would work if it wasn't for the nitrogen present in the soil. And we can add nitrogen, but it occurs naturally in the soil right. through, like, worms you know, di- digesting, you know, um, all sorts of different microbes, that kind of thing. Um, and the microbes themselves are involved in digesting things. And, and they what they put out as a waste product in many cases is nitrogen, right. which feeds the crops, which feed us. Right. It's a circle so, of life. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the lowly worm or the even lowlier bacteria. microbe, sure. bacteria, things that just seem so unimportant or even threatening to us uh, we are essential to life on Earth. That's That, that kind of goes with that machine you were talking about, the interrelated parts that each one's very important, even right. if it doesn't seem like it. So it, with a loss of biodiversity, say we lose the worms, we lose a lot of the nitrogen in the soil, right. all of a sudden our crops fail. Uh-huh. So we will be affected one way or, the, one way or another. 
despite our technology. Right. It's pretty amazing when you think about that. The smallest thing can have that trickle effect. Mm -hmm. And we may actually be able to survive some sort of mass extinction. I mean, we're... We're a pretty smart species. Like, technically, we're subtropical. You know that, right? Right. And, and we've mastered the colder climes by a technology like clothes or, you know, um, tankless hot water heaters. Right. That kind of thing. Um, so we're supposed to be living kind of near the equator. Um, so w- we could conceivably survive a mass extinction. Sure. We have before, actually. Right. Supposedly about 70,000 years ago, human, uh, humanity faced a um, an evolutionary bottleneck, which is where there's some – a species is brought to the brink of extinction. So imagine it like a bottle, and then the bottleneck comes, and you right. lose all that, all that life and all those genes, and um, basically the population squeezed down. And, right. and they estimate that there is about 15,000 people – Worldwide on planet on planet Earth at that time, really, because of that bottleneck, from, it got that from low. What number? Do you know? I don't know the number, but I think a lot more than fifteen thousand. Sure. Um, so on the other end, you come out. So really, the evolutionary bottleneck, if the species survives, goes from a bottleneck to an evolutionary hourglass, where it becomes robust again, right, and, and populated. But at that, if you go back to that bottleneck, it took a lot of inbreeding to get past that point. Sure. Which, under a theory that I have, um, explains why a lot of people today uh, mouth breathe. Wow. Yeah. We're at, let's hear it. That was it. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think there's mouth breathers on planet Earth today because 70,000 years ago, it took a lot of inbreeding to get past our evolutionary bottleneck. And previously, we breathe. I, I'd probably throw a nose. Right. Gills. There's, there's no, 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 no. No, I okay. mean, you know, you know, like, uh, you ever watch 24? Uh, I watched the first day. So okay, well, no. Kiefer Sutherland, he's a good example of a mouth breather. He breathes through his mouth, breathes with his mouth open. It's a little uh, slack-jawed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mr. Sutherland, no offense. He doesn't listen. So, um, Chuck, that's pretty much the long and short of uh, whether or not we will face a, a mass extinction. I think it's entirely possible. Um, I know I've been storing water ever since I wrote this. Really? In your basement? Do you have a bomb shelter? Um, I don't know if I call it a bomb shelter. It's more like a, an emergency bachelor pad. Right. So you've got your Nintendo and yeah. your liquor and yeah, uh, exactly. Okay. And the water. Oh, I got plenty of that. Sleeping bags. Yeah, I'll, I'll invite you over. Uh, you can learn whether or not you're going to die in the next couple of years by reading. Uh, Will we soon be extinct? On HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com.